0: Justice Tech Pros here. For today's episode, I'm going to dive into a couple different topics uh, that I've come across in the last couple weeks that um, deserve some attention and deserve to be kind of talked about, vetted. And also, it's just really something to give the listeners a uh, situation or... um, Something going on that they should give some thought to and really think about it and understand it and see how they feel about it. Because these things, once you start talking about them, they really boil down to who you are as an individual and how you look at certain things. And what I mean by that is, um, for instance, one of the topics that comes to mind, I was reading one of the defendants in the case I was recently on... Was making an argument. Uh, they were. They made it. They took a plea for uh, gambling, essentially. And the defendant's in his 80s, uh, mid 80s, and he has a lot of ailments. He's he's not a healthy individual. And all documented ailments, so it can't be something that you know the uh, opposite side is trying to say is made up. I mean, he had open heart surgery. Uh, he had valves put in. Uh, serious serious issues that require. <laughs> Constant medical attention. Now, when you look ab- when you look at these things, f- and you take out the aspect, you know, uh, um, this this person obviously they're trying to put a uh, a, um, a title on them, and they're trying to uh, allege that they're a member of an organization to make it sound, you know, that this person's a danger to society and whatnot. But if you remove if you think about that, you're talking about an 85-year-old person, an 85-year-old individual who is under severe poor health, and they need constant monitoring by a hospital, by doctors, uh, to, to keep them alive, basically, you know, to make sure that things don't progress and to try to get a handle on it. So you try to come up with, you know, as the defense attorney, they try to put in a motion to just... You know, have the um, justice system and the judge look at it that way, and and try to see if there's another way to have the person serve their punishment, while at the same time making sure it's not their fate to, you know, God forbid, pass away while in jail, and the odds are aren't very good. I mean, I think the the plea he wound up getting sentenced above the initial plea guidelines, and I believe it was uh, almost five years. So, you know, at 85, 86 years old and poor health, the the outlook's not good, you know, especially with the BOP facilities for receiving treatment. I, I'm sure everybody would, would agree they don't compare to private, you know, uh, facilities and going to the doctor on your own and seeing... And being able to access that as, as needed Not based on when the BOP decides you need a visit And what's hard to wrap my head around You're not talking about violent, a violent offense You're talking about gambling But the problem is What I see taking place is They don't sentence people On what, the, what they're pleading to They're sentencing people Based on what they think their past was what they think their alleged position is, if they're a member of some kind of organization that they believe. And what's disturbing is, you know, that's really not how things are supposed to work. And I know many members of the public uh, believe that way too. And that's a problem. And I'm not saying, you know, I try to keep my personal opinion out of these things, but you got to look at this just from common sense point of view. And from a common sense point of view, you have an 85-year-old person who's pleading guilty to to gambling, regardless of an organization you want to say they're a member of. You could come up with, the system could come up with a way to contain that person, still punish them, without putting them in a facility which most likely they'll serve out the rest of their days. You could come up with a system where they're in their home confinement, you take away all electronics, all means of communication. Uh, they, you know, have an ankle bracelet or a monitoring device as far as where they could go within their household. They're only allowed to leave for those hospital vi- visits. It's basically jail inside your home. It's the same routine as you would have in jail. You're regulated to a few rooms. You have a TV. You have TV in jail. You don't want them on the internet. Take away, take away the internet access. Just make them be able to stay in their in their home and their setup, and go back and forth and get the care they need, without suffering and pretty much being tortured. Basically, um, you know, I, I think humanity should play into these things, and I know they don't because, unfortunately, the way the world works and the way that. The justice system works. If you're labeled with something, especially if you're Italian-American and you're labeled with um, a stigma or you're you're accused of being part of an organization, humanity seems to go out the window. They have this mindset that, well, they're guilty, they lived a certain life, and now they're basically paying for their sins. Now, I understand what they're trying to get across, but the law says you have to be guilty of the crime you committed and you're being charged with. So you have to be sentenced under that same exact concept, you would think. So if this person's sentenced for gambling, regardless of what you think they may have done in their lifetime, you're dealing with gambling right now, and you're sentenced them based on that gambling and based on that crime. So that's what should factor in. You can't go by... Almost like a vendetta of, well, I'm going to get them now because they're in front of me and this is what I'm going to do. You just, I mean, you can do it because it's done. (laughs) You know, they have all the power. The judges have all the power and they're going to do what they want. But you just figure if you have someone fair who's going by the person in front of them. And they're saying, okay, this person's pleading guilty to gambling. He's 85 years old. He's in poor health. We could still punish him accordingly. And we could still make certain... You know, that he serves his punishment. Uh, He's out of the loop as far as... We're going to remove him from having any contact... With any organization that we may believe he's a part of. We could stop that immediately. As I said, you could make... uh, You could make um, accommodations to prevent all of that. And and we'll have them serve the sentence at his home, this way he continues to get the care that he or she needs, you know, I'm just using this individual as an example, but there's many like this. And, you know, when you look at it even from a financial standpoint, you would figure that it all would make sense just to have the person receive what they need under their own care and under their own insurance and under their own, you know, costs, because it has a major impact on even the taxpayers. I mean, I, w- I was just looking up just for regular incarceration costs. I just wanted to get some ideas, and as of twenty seventeen, uh, the annual expense is more than five point seven eight billion for federal federal uh, inmates to the taxpayers. It's five point seven seven eight billion. Okay, and that was in 2017, so I'm sure it went up. And for the state, it was $39 billion. And when you think about that impact, and the elderly, it's even more. I mean, I, I was uh, reading a report. It was from the author Andrew Cohen, and it's Older Prisoners, Higher Costs, and this was back in 2015. And he goes on to just talk about how much it costs To house and to take care of an aging uh, inmate You know, with um, heart problems, with diabetes And and the, the costs are astronomical So even from a financial perspective You would figure they would factor those things in to really weigh it You know, is it that important to have this person go to jail Increase all the costs just to die in jail Just to really make them suffer That's really what it's about It's about making them suffer because you could still punish somebody without doing that, and, you, and you're pretty much giving them a death sentence if you have somebody in front of you who that who's that frail and is dying. And again, I'm not I'm saying weigh the charges that are in front of you. That's all I'm saying. And obviously, I may have a different opinion about about it. If you know, if I uh, have relationship with with a certain person, you know, like any human nature, you don't want to see anybody do a day in jail, but. I I try to look at things from every perspective. So even looking at it from the other side's perspective, you would just figure if you have somebody in front of you who's in poor health, just pled to gambling, you could make accommodations to make sure they are punished without sentencing them to death, in essence. And to me, there's there's no viable reason not to take those things into account. You know, and they have now the compassionate release and all that. But the facts are, it's very rare that if you're labeled with being part of organized crime or being part of anything uh, like that, you're not getting a compassionate release. And what's disturbing is people, a lot of people are okay with that. And, And that's a problem. And it's hard to explain the trained thought on that because I know, you know, people just look at it like, well, they're, you know, they're a bad person if they're in their organization and they shouldn't um, benefit from any of that. They shouldn't get a compassionate release. But there's a flip side to that because they should realize by doing that, by making these blanket statements based on labels, you're just giving too much power and too much authority and you're taking away from what the justice system was built upon. Any, any image of Lady Justice, if you ever notice, she's always blind. And that's for a reason, and people tend to forget that. If Lady Justice is blind, she's not supposed to see labels, she's not supposed to see anything, she's just supposed to go by the law. So we're just supposed to go by the law. And as hard as it may be to keep your feelings from affecting decisions, that's your duty. If you're in a position of power, that's your duty to keep your feelings separated. I mean, I'm in a much less powerful position you know than than uh, a lot of these individuals are. and uh, on a business level, I keep my my personal feelings aside. Even in this format, in the podcast, I try to keep my personal feelings aside. They surface, but guess what? nobody suffers based on my on my opinion. So I give myself consciously, some leeway on that because I know there's no result that could happen that could hit impact anybody negatively. Otherwise, I would tighten that up as well. But on here, I also try to separate just to allow the general public to understand things from an analytical perspective and just from a case-by-case perspective and how it relates to the law. And if you're trying to uphold the law, you really have to be blind, but that never happens. It's really not blind. And the general public, I don't think, sees that as a problem because I I do believe that they're predetermined, biased, and prejudiced regardless of the ethnic background, whether you're talking about African-Americans, Hispanics. In this this segment, now I'm talking about Italian-Americans. If they're labeled as being part of organized crime, the general public just kind of looks at it like, well, they deserve it. Whatever it is, they deserve it, so too bad. They're guilty of something. And again that's not how it works And that's a dangerous way of thinking Because who knows Maybe somebody in their family one day May be accused of something And if you start having that as the standard That's very dangerous To go down that slippery slope You have to take your personal feelings Out of these things You have to just look at the facts And you have to weigh these things on the facts And it's just concerning Because you see it playing out Time and again and, and people really don't have a problem with it. And I think if they understood it a little more and looked at it a little differently and took their personal feelings aside and, and not, not harbor such prejudicial thoughts about it and just looked at it from a, hu- a humanitarian perspective and a little compassion and a little emotion and a little what you're dealing with, when you break it down, you take the labels out, you have an 85-year-old man, he's in poor health, He's most likely, you know, I don't even want to say it, but he's most likely not going to make it out of jail for five years. Those things should be factored in. I mean, just factored in in that sense. A little compassion. And it's not like you're doing anything that's outside of the realm of the law. You're just dealing with it on a case by case. And that doesn't happen. And that's a problem. And you know, it kinda of segues into I I was very impressed. I was reading an article on um the site. It was actually sent to me by a uh, uh I guess a subscriber or somebody came across it. They emailed it to me and and it brought me to it and I was very impressed with it. And it goes on to the name of the site's actually the New York Mafia dot com. And I, I know, I know what the name everybody um is gonna, you know. Uh, get taken back by the name but you have to realize it's just it's a site that just talks about you know different uh, aspects of organized crime and whatnot but what impressed me is they had a section about injustice and the article was really it, it was spot on and I know I know some people don't want to hear that <clears throat> you know and, and again it goes back to where they say well if to organized crime whatever they get they deserve but that's not how the law works and that goes for any. Any um, situation where somebody's targeted or uh, a group is targeted or a group is being, you know, um, uh, really put through the ringer based on what the alleged titles are, the alleged um, organization is, or the alleged alliances, whatever you want to call it. But this article is really impressive, and and I want to um, read a few excerpts. Because it's, it's powerful stuff and I can relate to it because I've seen it played out on the last case uh, that I was with and, and, you know, continues to play out. So I'm just going to read a few paragraphs from that that um, I think relate. I mean, this goes on to say, um, unscrupulous investigators, policemen, prosecutors, judges, and others in law enforcement have crossed the lines of decency, humanity, any sense of fair play and in many well-documented cases have actually broken the law themselves under the guise and charade of upholding it. And I'm sure in some instances they have justified it in their own minds as committing these improprieties or outright criminal acts as doing it for the greater good. That they were the good guys, after all, and only jailing the bad guys, putting them in prison where they are supposed to be to begin with. And of course, there have been others who have had little to no conscience at all. And that really goes into, you know, what I've been a, a common theme, where you can't put somebody away and target somebody because in your head you think they're a bad person. That may very well be, you may believe that, but you have to prove it. I mean, we live in an America with the justice system where you have to prove things. You can't just make up charges and stick them on people because you believe they're guilty of something. You have to get them on, on what they actually did. If they broke the law, build a case based on the law that they broke. Don't just throw charges, so many charges up against the wall and hope something that sticks. Because you know the way society is, something will stick. Whether they're guilty or not, something's going to stick, unfortunately. It, it It just plays out that way. Because the general public has that same opinion, that, well, they may not be guilty of this, but they're guilty of something, so by convicting, we're doing a greater good. And that mindset has to be changed. And I'm not saying to agree with anything I'm saying, as far as how I look at things, but what I am saying is, you should just, if you are a U.S., you know, you support the justice system, then you should support it the right way. And you should always have that image in your head that Lady Justice is blind. It's a powerful image, and I I had a um, artwork commissioned that you'll see on the website and also on the on the podcast where Lady Justice is crying, but she's blinded. She has a blindfold on, and that's the most important part of it that people forget. And you may have vendettas and and you may have um, preconceived notions about individuals, but the bottom line is you you sh- you have to convict somebody and you have to charge somebody based on true evidence and facts and not whether or not they have a vowel to, at the end of their name you know and and that's that's a big problem and a lot of people don't see it because it's really not out there i mean there's no you know there's no societies that fight honestly for like italian american rights and and if if a lot of this stuff was laid out, and a lot of what goes on in these cases was were, was made public, I do believe the tone would change a little bit, and not because people will think, oh, you know, the Italians are right and uh, uh, the, you know the government's wrong. It's not that. What I think will happen is they will just see that what's happening in these cases isn't what the law the way the law was intended. And I and I believe a person thinking logically and, and using intelligence would weigh the situation and say, regardless of personal opinion, if something isn't the law, it's not the law. And if the law is being bent, it shouldn't be bent on either side. And the defense shouldn't bend it, and the prosecutor, the prosecutor shouldn't bend it. And the state or the, the government, nobody should be bending it. You know, it should be run a certain way. You just want to know that you're going to get a fair trial. And you're going to be, if you're accused of something, it's legitimate. When you're being faced with the justice system, there are rules. And both sides should have to play by those rules. It shouldn't only pertain to one side. Both sides should have to play by those rules. And there should be almost like a referee making sure that those rules are adhered to and are followed. And that's really where the judge comes in, you know? And if you have a judge who has that mindset that the defendants in front of her or him are um, are bad people, air quotes, you know, and uh, are guilty of something... <clears throat> And they have that mindset, and they're making their rulings based on that mindset. It pretty much negates everything, because now you know there's going to be no accountability. There's going to be no accountability for those involved in the investigation. There's going to be no accountability if uh, the prosecutors or the the U.S. attorney are not following things properly and are not going through the proper steps. There's, there's really, you know, and, and you're going to put in motions that are just going to get denied and denied. And there's going to be, you know, ways of of finding some kind of angle to, to base your denials upon. You know, when you're dealing with that, it's extremely dangerous. And the general public isn't aware of really what goes on in a lot of these cases because the media doesn't cover it. And I think the problem is the media doesn't cover it because of the... The, the label. You know, when they see the organized crime, they just assume everything's bad and they don't really look into it. You know, even though something may have that label of organized crime or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still, everybody's still entitled to due process. And you have to still go by that process. And it should be looked at and it should be under a microscope, making sure that things are followed properly and the defendants are getting a fair trial. Just because a label exists, you shouldn't throw all that out the window. And that's what ha- what happens, even in the public eye. You know, the public doesn't even give it a second thought. They see that, and as far as they're concerned, whatever it takes to get a conviction, go for it. And again, it's not, it's not trying to change... If that's their mindset, that's just their mindset. But what they need to open their, their, their eyes about is by thinking that way, you're increasing the spectrum of what's allowable in the justice system and what goes above what is in the textbook and what goes above what the law states. And by increasing that gauge, by stretching that spectrum regardless of your opinion on somebody, you're hurting the justice system as a whole. You're degrading it. You're now taking it down to what it, was, uh, what it was not meant to be. You're taking it to a level that's so substandard that it's almost an embarrassment because that's not what the forefathers had intended. That's not what they wrote it about. That's not why Lady Justice is blind. She's blind for a reason. That's not an artist taking the liberty of, you know, that's not creative liberty. That's 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 a uh, specific reasoning for that. She has that blindfold on for a specific reason. And yet, in the public's eyes, there is no blindfold. You know, you're you're innocent or guilty based on preconceived notions, based on the media, based on the reports they read about, and based on the titles that are given to you by the media, by law enforcement, by the uh, opposition. And that's a huge problem. And people not seeing that problem is even more concerning. And people being okay with it is even more con- concerning. You know, we have to weigh each situation on a case by case basis. And everything should be given equal amount of weight when it's put in front of us, regardless of titles or accusations or ties. It should be all weighed independently. And looked at properly, and that doesn't happen. I'm going to give another example that was in the news, that was uh, disturbing of how you know the lengths that sometimes are, are that law enforcement will go to. An individual was given bail, and law enforcement actually followed this individual to their daughter's doctor's appointment and tried getting pictures of this person. Um, I guess breaking the conditions of bail, which the individual didn't, uh, he didn't wind up, you know, having to deal with anything as a as a consequence. But just think about that. If that was more high profile, and somebody without a vowel at the last name, do you, that would be in every paper that the that law enforcement was following this person to their uh, daughter's doctor's appointment. I mean, you figure that alone is some kind of some kind of personal violation to be at the daughter's doctor's appointment in the waiting room trying to snap pictures of the individual and the daughter. And that's not innocent till proven guilty. I mean, that step alone is not, in, you're taking somebody who's innocent right now in the eyes of the Lord, this person's innocent and you're following them to try to catch them At least if you're going to do that, which I don't think he's doing in the first place, but do it whether solo, not whether with their daughter. I mean, that's a problem. That's a big problem, and there should be some kind of repercussions for that, especially when nothing came out of it. You know, the person was doing nothing wrong. He was just sitting in the waiting room. But that's a huge violation. And again, it goes back to a humanity level, and people don't see anything wrong with that, and that's what's disturbing. You know, we were all raised with a certain code and a certain uh, belief and a certain system, morals and ethics. And you would figure that all plays into that. And I wonder how much money that actually costs the taxpayers to do that. You know, to to have law enforcement go, spend the day, stake that out, go uh, go to the doctor's office and do all that. You know, I'm sure that costs money as well. So the taxpayers are paying for all these things. And when you think about it, it's it's not it's not cool i mean for lack of a better term it's really not it's just not the way things should be and yet this happens every day and it happens often and you don't hear a lot about it because it does happen a lot of times to italian americans and it's just not talked about you know it's not brought to light because the media don't want to talk about it they don't want to ruffle any feathers they don't want to write about it and i'm sure a lot of people in the media think the same way I mean, I'm going to give an example. When I was um, working on a past case, I was trying to get an amicus brief on certain rule on certain things, and an amicus brief is basically uh, an opinion um, from an organization, you know, an organization in um, in law, you know, a legal organization or somebody who has a legal background. And I noticed when they saw it was like an organized crime case, you know, they kind of fell off the map. And I was talking about serious issues, serious constitutional issues that if the defendants weren't linked to any organized crime, I guarantee we would have got that brief. And people almost put it, you know, made excuses why not to do it, but I had a feeling why they didn't want to do it, but it's unjust. It really is. And, and they should realize for themselves, if you're part of law, you have to support the Constitution. If you're in that industry, you have to support it regardless of what you feel about somebody, what you feel about a group of people. We, you know, you have to just go by the law. And that's all, you know, I was asking, really. I was just sending the legal papers to support the opinion. I just wanted their opinion on some legal aspects of it. And to to not take part in that when you see, and I actually got some emails that were good. They didn't give the brief, but where they agreed with my view on things, where they felt things were were not taking place properly. And that's still in the hopper. I mean I'm still I, I, got, I actually got some feedback, but if you weigh the percentage of the amount of people and organizations I reached out to compared to the ones who were gonna possibly take a look at it at this level now. Unfortunately now it's at the appeal level. I wanted it prior to that, but I'll take what we can get. But on the appeal level, if you just weigh the, the percentage of the ones who actually took interest, it's it's minuscule compared to the amount I reached out to. And I know a lot of it had to do with that because of the type of case it was. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And I understand the general public, you know, they, they have certain ways of looking at things and it's just society. And a lot of it has to do with all the movies that go on on the topic, you know, and all the different um, online blogs and all the different things like that. That adds to it. That fuels the fire. But it's unfortunate because people should realize, especially if you're you're, you're in the justice system and you're on one side or the other, whether you're on the prosecution side, state side, government side, defense side, you have to remove you know, what you feel about somebody or something personally and just try to deal with the law aspect of it. And that's really how the media should be as well. The media should try to remove that and just go by the facts. I mean, if they looked at a lot of these cases and they looked at what I spoke about earlier, like the compassionate release cases, where you have a lot of these individuals who are aging and they're very sick and they may have uh, been labeled with one time or another in their life being part of organized crime and now they're very sick and they're dying and they're going for these compassionate releases and they're not getting them and they wound up just dying in jail. But then you see other individuals without a vowel in their name and they're getting those releases. People should just look at that. Just look at that aspect of it. And a lot of times the crimes are way worse on the ones who are getting it that they were charged with than the ones who are not getting it. Now, what logical sense could that make? If you're looking at something blindly, think about it. You have one person who doesn't have a label and one person who does. The person without the label is charged with a more serious offense, but they're granted a compassionate release than the one with the label. It doesn't take a genius to figure out why that happened. And the truth is it shouldn't happen. And I know there's plenty of people on the other side of this I know there's plenty of people who just, regardless of what I'm trying to say, they're just not going to agree with it, and and that's, you know, they, they could twist it however they want in their head, but if that's how they feel, the bottom line is they are prejud- they're a prejudice, they're a person who holds prejudice. That's just the bottom line. And they can kid themselves that they're not, but they are. And they can kid themselves that it's for the greater good, but it's not. You have to go by the law. This isn't a personal thing. This isn't something you're dealing with personally. There's plenty of things I've come across personally in my life where my opinion, I couldn't care what's right, what's wrong. If I personally feel strong about something, I go by how I feel. If I don't like somebody, I don't like them. I couldn't care less what anybody tells me. If I think somebody's a lowlife, they're a low life. I mean, and that's, but guess what? That's why I'm not involved in, in, in the part of Having to sentence people, or because they're better—they're better people than I am. I'm gonna be honest with you. In other words, if I was a judge and I had a pedophile in front of me, I'm hammering that pedophile. They're never getting out of jail. That's the lowest thing you could do. But guess what? I'm a hundred percent wrong. When you go by the law, I'm a hundred percent wrong. Now, you know, I—I I probably couldn't be a judge if I wanted to. But my point just is, I recognize that about myself. I wouldn't put myself in that situation where I'm dealing because I wouldn't be fair. I know I wouldn't be fair when it comes to that. But when you're in a position where you have to be fair, when you're on a jury panel, and that's another thing. If I got selected for jury for something like that, I would be honest so I don't suit that jury. I would only be part of a jury where I could be 100% fair and not biased at all. I would that's the only time I would want to participate in the jury. If you can't give it a hundred percent fairness and you can't look at it with an eye that is unbiased, then you cannot be on that jury. But the problem is you get people in position of power, you get people in the government, people on the state side, where they have that biased and they have that, you know, feeling of, of contempt for somebody and 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 hatred and and yet they're making these important decisions on somebody's life not based on the facts just based on how they feel that's dangerous you shouldn't be in that position take another job do not be in that position you know you're controlling somebody's livelihood not based on the facts based on how you feel that's not how it works And you need to recognize those flaws of yourself if you have them. Like I just said, I have a flaw on that. I recognize it. I recognize it. Pedophiles right away, forget it, what I think about them. I don't even want to say it on this. But the bottom line is, and that goes the same for like rapists or anything like that. It's just the way I am. Whether it's a good thing, whether it's a bad thing, you know, that's just how it goes. But at least I recognize that and I'm honest about it. And I don't, you know, what's scary is you'll get you'll get somebody who will tell you they're going to be fair, but they think like I do in a different way, and then they're not fair. At least you'll know from me you're going to get it right up front how I feel on the topic. And that's the problem. Some of these judges, they pretend to be fair. And that's more dangerous to me than a, a judge who you know right away is, is off the wall and not fair. It's the ones who pretend to be fair. It's the ones that are wolves in sheep's clothing that you think you have a shot and then all of a sudden you get blindsided because the agenda surfaces of what they're really trying to do there and what they're really trying to accomplish. And they're just just trying to put somebody's lights out and they were put there to put that person's lights out and they're going to do it by all means necessary but they're going to paint it with this false facade and make it look nice. You know? Like Bob Ross back in the day Where he'd do a nice happy little tree <laughs> That's that's what they're doing They're painting happy little trees I don't know if anybody remembers Bob Ross But <laughs> he used to do these happy little trees This guy was out of his mind He had a big afro it was pretty funny But um, <clears throat> he used to paint And he'd always put these happy And that's what they're doing They're putting these happy little trees They're making it look like You know you're going to get a fair shot But when these decisions roll out You don't And that's very disheartening you know, you get very optimistic and then you get let down. And one thing I did learn in this industry, as opposed to other businesses I've been involved with, and I've been in business, you know, since I'm a kid. And um, businesses are normally straightforward. You know, when something's black and white, it's black and white. You know, if you're dealing with a problem, you show the problem, you resolve it. That's it. Everybody's on the same page. You show a client this is wrong. This is the right way of doing it, and you resolve it. In the law profession, as I'm learning going on now four years in, three years in, it doesn't work that way. You know, your side will think something's very black and white, which it is. I mean, you'll have documents to support it. You'll have forensics to support it. You'll submit it saying, well, there's no way. There's no way this could be challenged. This could be... um, looked at it a different eye, don't kid yourself. It will be. Because what's scary is they'll come in, you'll show them something that's black, and they'll try to convince you, no, 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 it's white. Even though you're laying out the facts. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about facts. I'm not talking about arguments. I'm talking about things that are very concrete. You'll show that this person went into this store at 8 p.m and it's it's time stamped, it's recorded, you have everything. And then when you have a reply to your motion or to your uh, papers showing that, you'll get the reply where there'll be an angle to try to divert from that fact and make it like you're crazy, like, nah, you're wrong, you're incorrect. That's one thing in this profession I I didn't account for that I'm learning, and I'm actually learning how to deal with that. And you have to be very, very concise. You cannot leave anything up for interpretation. One thing to make sure, regardless who your legal team is, they have to be exact, precise, and they have to go by facts. They have to go by case facts. And that's why earlier, in earlier episodes I was talking about how important it is the discovery. Because you have to get that discovery. You have to cite that discovery. That's the only shot you have. You have to go by the facts because when you leave things for interpretation it's dangerous and it gets so convoluted and so crazy how things can be twisted and then you know if the judge has an opening where he or she could kind of rule based on this interpretation and they're not you know a judge who goes let's just say who operates fairly they're going to they're going to take that route regardless of how clear cut and black and white you make something and that's one thing that was kind of a bit of a culture shock for me with my company while dealing with cases where, you know, you would think something is very, very easily explained, very definite, there's supporting evidence, there's supporting documentation, experts, everything you could think of, you submit it, and then you see this entirely different spin on it. And again what's disturbing is I'm not talking about arguments. That I, you know, I totally understand that there's always different sides to arguments, there's different opinions. I completely get that. That's just life, that's how it goes. I, I you know, I could believe strongly in something, but it's open for debate. When it's an ideal or it's a philosophy or it's a concept or if it's a way of interpreting something, I could completely relate how there'll always be different sides on that. Everybody view, could view things differently. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about clear-cut, hardcore facts that are easily provable. And when you show them as clear-cut, where something so simple as this person said he went to the store. Now you show them that this is what was said, he went to the store. They'll actually argue that and say, well, we don't think that's what it said. They won't tell you why they're arguing it, but they'll just say that. You almost feel like you're in the twilight zone. You really do. You feel like is this the Twilight Zone? Am I crazy? I'm reading it. I'm seeing it. I'm hearing it. I got ten other people telling me it's saying that. I'm hiring uh, experts to tell me that's what it's being said, and yet the oppositions tell me that's not what it's said. Now, how do you wrap your head around that? That gem, huh? How, how do you get your head around that? <laughs> that beauty. I can't. I have a hard time. But you have to. You have to prepare for that. And that's one change I started making, you know, while running my business and while dealing with cases. You have to anticipate what it could be twisted to mean, what they could possibly argue it, what angle they could probably take and attack it based on that and prepare for that. Make your argument based on what could possibly be twisted to. So it's almost like you beat them to the punch. So if they do go that way, you know, it makes your argument stronger because you almost predicted the way they were going to go. I mean, that's the best way I've come up with trying to uh, counteract that because, honestly, it's mind-blowing when, when you're dealing with clear-cut facts and they're being told you're being told, well, we don't see it that way. When something's not up for debate, it's not like, you know, we're having a debate here. I'm showing you something. I'm showing you the evidence says A, B, and C, here it is, and you come back saying, nah, it doesn't say A, B, and C. I mean, that's... It's it's crazy. It really is. But that's the way it plays out. That's the reality of it. And you see people's lives depending on that interpretation. It's scary. Well, I think that's it for tonight. It's actually a late night tonight. It's about... Uh, it's almost 2 in the morning. And like I said, I try to get to these things when I have the time and when um, I feel there's some subject matters I want to discuss. And I want to thank the emails i am getting, and the support, and all the listeners. And a special thanks to my uh, number one fan. She knows who she is, so I just wanted to uh, get that out there. And that's it for tonight, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.